0: hope you're strapped in i hope you're ready to go the new championship season is firmly upon us happy new season everybody or happy Near, nearly new season. We've got uh, a few more days to go as of yet until Norwich City kickstart at Carrow Road against Hull. But uh, the excitement is palpable. That that new season excitement that everyone seems to feel, regardless of how a team has, uh, has maybe ended a campaign when it comes to, to Norwich or maybe they've, they've gotten on more generally. We're going to try and uh, use our wisdom or lack of to uh, make some predictions ahead of the championship campaign. We're obviously going to speak about Norwich City's prospects as well with it being on the horizon and uh, we're also going to have a little dissection of pre-season as well which ended at the weekend against Carrow Road, a 2-0 win over Olympiacos but because we wanted to do a bit more of a preview-y type pod we don't get to do too many of those throughout the season to be completely honest um, we didn't record straight after Carrow Road, so we'll talk a little bit about that I'm your host Connor Southwell joined by Sam Seaman and Paddy Davitt the show coming to you as ever on future radio Um and it's going to be an interesting hour or so. We thank you very much for um, putting us in your ears, regardless of how you are doing that. Uh, whether that be on YouTube as an increasing number of you are and you're watching our faces or whether it's the old fashioned way of uh, of through the headphones. We appreciate you joining us uh, for this chat. Boys, let's um, let's just sort of read the room and gauge the temperature before we start uh, just very quickly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to each of you and just ask you the simple question. How excited are you for the start of the new campaign? Sam, you, you, you're directly to my right as I look at the screen. So so you go first. How excited are you feeling? I'm
1: quite excited, actually. Um, I think it's just going back to games and sort of being at matches that matter. And obviously we've done a few pre-season games and there's been a lot of football to watch. But there hasn't really been that competitive buzz, especially considering how Norwich ended the season and how alarmingly that tailed off. Um, it feels like a long while since Norwich actually had a decent amount to play for and their fans are actually excited for games. Um, so I'm I'm actually really just looking forward to being back in that sort of competitive environment and watching a game of football under those um conditions. I wouldn't say I'm absolutely buzzing. It's not the most excited I've ever been for the start of the season, but I think if you're a football fan and um, and you've liked football for a long time, it's very difficult to get to the start of the season and not feel at least a little bit of excitement.
0: Paddy, I'll throw it, throw it over to, to you. How, how excited? You're a man who does excitement very well. How excited are you for the new season?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When The minute you use the word excited, I had a flashback to one of them vlogs, which apparently <laughs> now is... Been taken and out of context, out of context turn or whatever. And uh, I'm now a, a hater of mornings. Out, out
0: of context, have it. There's there's a Twitter
2: account. enough. there's enough of me on social media as it is. But uh, <laughs> I tell you, I'm excited to see an end to the infernal amount of predictions forecasting everything from about 4th to 18th. If you're Norwich, I've had my fill of them. Obviously, we're guilty of that. I'm sure we'll, we'll be coming out with some predictions on probably this pod. Uh, there's a supplement uh gonna hit the shelves in a few days ahead of the whole game so you know I, I can't i can't extract me from that but uh it just seems endless every outlet wants to rank where the championship looks like and whether it's because i've been doing it far too many seasons or whether i'm just not very good at predicting things but i, I just think it's sort of a complete waste of time who would in the last two or three seasons have had Huddersfield going to the playoff final, Luton going to it once and then returning there. Coventry, even my team, you know, it's it's so many imponderables and intangibles at this stage, and that's that applies to Norwich, but it equally applies to the other twenty three teams or twenty yeah, twenty two teams. Sorry, so uh, it's a bit of a fool's game, really, to try and assess where we're at generally with the with the championship or specifically with Norwich. But that said you know, and it isn't about results in pre-season, but, you know, to do what they've done result wise, but more so some of the facets of the performances, um, it feels like they have turned a page, but, you know, the acid tests begin on Saturday with whole city and, um, you know, to, to not, not continue on in the same vein, um, particularly at Cairo, where it's massively important. They get off to a positive start for the mood music around the place, really as much as points on the board, but, uh, if they don't get off to a good start, then for me, kind of those underlying frustrations, which will clearly burst to the to the, to the to the surface, you know, towards the end of last season and, and vented in the direction of individuals, notably Stuart Webber, they're there. They're still under the surface, and and I don't think, a, albeit a positive preseason, is necessarily going to mask. Um, those feelings of dissatisfaction with with the direction of travel so you know we have to be realistic and say yes it feels it's been a good preseason david wagner felt it was a good preseason in terms of what he was aiming to get out of it um whether that's transfer wise or, or just refreshing kind of the the outlook in terms of the strategy what they're going to try and do with and without the ball but all of that for me is probably uh you can you can accept that but it won't count for a great deal if quarter to five or five o'clock this Saturday at Car Road and uh, they've got beat um, because then I think you'll start to see again those fault lines not burst forth because I think it's far too early for that but you know, you'd know, you be naive to think that um, if they don't get off to a good start that the, the frustration will be there right again as it was towards the end of last season.
0: Yes, uh, absolutely. And, and and that fast start feels absolutely crucial, as, as, as you say there. And you also say that predictions is a full game and we're going to be doing a few of those later. So that makes us fools, which uh, is probably not news to any of the listeners slash uh, watchers of, of this pod regularly. It's it's really interesting. I've, I've got a um, really... I don't, I don't know. It's a really interesting analogy that I have formed that I'm going to uh, share with you later, which might be completely, I've thought about it and constructed it in my head and it might be com- thinking about it. It might be completely ridiculous to articulate, but we'll get there a little later on. Um, let's, let's spend the first half of the show then looking at, at Norwich City and where they stand because you're right, Paddy. I've uh, partly for market research, partly for um, it's sometimes nice to hear sometimes it's not nice sometimes it is nice to hear uh opinions of people who aren't in the bubble so to speak who aren't plugged in all the time and there are uh, a lot of predictions out there, as you rightly say. I've consumed a lot uh, of them in podcast form, in written form, mainly for, well, partly for this show, partly to maybe inform or or dismiss um, some of, of what we're going to write about. Also helps kind of get a general feeling for the for the championship for people who perhaps cover that a bit more widely than we do. We're on it on a on a one club basis. It's been really interesting actually to observe those observations and and predictions because you're right. Some some absolutely ridiculous people have Norwich in 19th, which I'm not even willing to engage or contemplate with at this moment in time. I've seen a few have Norwich in the playoffs. I've seen a few of them in mid-table. And I think all of it, Sam, probably points to where a lot of people are with Norwich City at the moment, which is this is a really difficult team to get a grasp of and to get a feeling of what it's going to do. Because I think, and, and I certainly the way I sit at the moment... I can see a situation where this team and and, and the improvements that's made over pre-season defensively addi- adds a few more attacking elements, starts to look pretty good and, and manages to finish in the top six. I see the alternative of perhaps them being quite defensive, but those creative issues persisting and being mid-table. I can see actually maybe the defensive resolve not being quite as good as we thought it was and them struggling uh, attacking wise and maybe not looking at too much of an improvement in terms of how the league table finished last year. So, it, it's a really interesting club at the moment, and uh, one uh, podcast that I listened to described it as the club uh, outside of any ownership issues as is having the and I, I'm I'm going to use the V word which people hate, having the worst vibes uh, in the in the '72 uh, because of the way the season ended and the fan base and all of that kind of wrapped in with as as we said if that isn't a fast start all of that's going to come to the surface again. Um, so predictions are futile. As Paddy said, they're pointless. They don't mean anything. But for me, it's more the range that we're seeing at the moment just goes to show how difficult this Norwich City team is to pin down, to grasp, to fully understand what region of the table. And partly, part of that is down to the championship more widely, right? And being difficult generally to to really kind of nail down a 1-24. to But also, I think it, it does speak about where Norwich City are at this moment in time. What, what are your thoughts on that, Sam?
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And it's quite a strange position, I think, for Norwich to be in, where people don't know what to predict. Because every year prior, probably the last 10 or 15 years, it's been if they're in the Championship, everyone's predicting them to go up or to win the league. And if they're in the Premier League, everyone's predicting them to finish last. So it's almost the hardest season to gauge that we've seen at Norwich for a really long time, probably going back to those Daniel Farker years and it does have a little bit of a, a feel of that to it where they could be a team, as you said, that somehow works and is well coached and just gets there in the end. Or it could be a team where you look at things on the surface and you look at how things finished last season and it wouldn't be too much of a surprise if there was a similar finish to them. There have been times this pre-season when I've looked at the sort of starting lineup graphics and that's another thing that's that um, I think social media especially is absolutely rife with at the moment is everyone creating their graphics for the starting 11 and the squad depth that their team has. So I've seen a number of those sort of um, with Norwich and I've looked at quite a lot of starting 11s and thought actually that is a really, really strong starting 11. But I think where things will probably make the difference for Norwich is whether that depth can step up. We've seen numerous times over the last few seasons the, the impact that Injury can have. Some players that you think are going to rip the league up just don't find that form. I'm thinking last season, I remember me and you sat next to each other um, looking at Norwich's lineup for their game against Cardiff. And I thought Milo Rashica is just far, far too good for this league and that he could have a real impact. But he played, I think, two or three games, barely did anything and then left the club. So there are probably a few players that it's quite hard to predict what sort of season they'll have. And I think if those players can step up, then Norwich could actually have a really strong team. But the depth um, is might be what holds them back for me. Um, but yeah, you spoke about the sort of unpredictable nature of the Championship, the number of teams that could be in and around it, especially now some really strong clubs have been relegated from the Premier League and promoted from League One. And it is really, really hard to gauge where Norwich are going to be. I think it's one of those where... Normally, we say after 10 games, you can sort of look at the table and start to make sense of things. But if we looked at Dean Smith's Norwich side 10 games into last season and judged them on that, they would have been promoted and they would have been um, probably dominating that league for a a good proportion of it. So it is really difficult to gauge. Um, David Wagner is probably his situation is probably one that doesn't help with that. He hasn't had success for a long time, actually, but he's got really similarly specific experience of success in this league with a team that people didn't expect to do so well and i just think there are so many intangibles um that are just really really hard to work out one thing that keeps nagging at me though is just when you look at the the additions they've made as much as on paper they're good signings and they will help with that sort of experience and probably with the dressing room um i just think about the some of the players they lost in the summer and I'm not sure there's much quality that's higher than that level that they've added um, this summer. So that probably does does make me a little bit worried. And I certainly wouldn't be committing to a prediction of Norwich finishing in the, the top two at this stage. But I think most fans would would take top six. And I think that that's certainly within the realms of, of possibility right now.
0: Yeah, let's, let's come to you, Paddy, in terms of that expectation point, because last year, those expectation levels were so high. It was for Norwich City, come what may, to finish in the top two. The goalpost shifted a little bit when Dean Smith got sacked and maybe it became a bit more about the top six and fans, I think, went on board with that. And I actually think there's a portion of supporters who maybe would have stomached, maybe unwillingly, but I think they would have stomached um, the communication from the club being along the lines of, right, you know what, that attempt didn't work. We're now going to... maybe go back a little bit try and transition things a, a bit but they haven't done that they've signed Ashley Barnes they've sh- signed Shane Duffy the the p-word promotion has has been used a few times playoffs all all of this kind of thing so it doesn't feel like um, we've got we've had almost a dampening down a watering down of the expectations from those internally and that certainly hasn't been shown in terms of the recruitment that they've done it's been geared towards signings who can impact things in, in the here and now, of maybe the exception of of Borja signs, um, who obviously can't impact things in the here and now, but is of a younger age profile than the others who who have come in. Um, is there, and, and we spoke about how difficult it is at the moment to maybe pin down this Norwich City team and say, right, we, we believe, um, football believes, whatever, that they're going to finish in this part of the table. Is there a possibility that that expectation... That again the club has, has kind of set itself is there a possibility that that becomes quite difficult to deal with as was the case last season I mean what, what's what's your view in terms of where we are between expectation and what we're seeing on the pitch because those two things existed completely differently last season
2: they did yeah they did I mean I, I for the reason Sam touched on you look at the type of profile they brought in I mean Ashley Barnes isn't strike me as a shrinking violet on or off the pitch. So I, I don't think uh, the burden of you must be in the promotion shake-up or playoffs or even top two, not going to bother him. in the slightest Shane Duffy as well. That's what you get. And that's what, you know, David was getting at towards the end of last season when he said, we need to address the mentality. And he wasn't just talking about, for me, um, mentality when you, you face an adverse situation on a pitch and Middlesbrough away springs to mind and, and the, the house of cards collapses, essentially, you know, it, I think it's just in general that if you have players who have been around the block, Jack Stacey, you can put him in that category as well. Fasnac coming from a different background, but nevertheless, you look at his age, you look at the, the level of football he's played at, he's used to handling the expectation. You play for young boys in Switzerland, you're expected to be more or less winning the title every other year and competing well in, in Europe. So those players, it's not going to phase them. If there's a, either internal pressure coming from on high or, or an external pressure. I don't get the sense externally there's any of that really. If you want to draw a parallel with last summer, I don't think that if you stop too many Norwich fans in the city now, they'd they'd necessarily say their immediate thought is promotion. I think as as bad as it ended last season, um, there there'll be a hope for that. But I don't think there's an expectation. I haven't seen anything really from Norwich's fan base either on social media or face to face. And we spoke to quite a, quite a few on on the tours we were out that that they expect Norwich to be in the shake-up. Of course, they want them to be because it's your club and, you you know, for all the trials and tribulations and what the Premier League brings, you still want them to have a good crack at getting back there again. Um, but I, I, I think there's a marked difference in terms of the expectation levels externally. Now, internally, you know, it's very clear with those signings, it isn't about the mid to longer term. Those players that we've talked about there have been brought in to have this club in the shake-up this season because if they don't, then... Um, and we know the situation financially. We know that this is the final year of parachute money, and of course, you know it would appear that that's already been allocated and um, and spent. But um, if it wasn't to be this summer, then then you know, subject to to something needing to happen in terms of the shareholder slash ownership situation and an injection of capital from that area, then there will have to be some big changes, I think this time next summer, if they're still in the championship and that's the, the hard pragmatic reality of the situation. So that brings its own pressure that they have to be competing. They have to, because if they don't, um, and of course in, in that equation is Stuart Webb will be no longer in the building, certainly by this time next year. So, you know, huge amounts of uncertainty there, which don't help, Um, but they're there and, and they'll, they'll have to be navigated as we move through the season. But I don't I don't get any sense either externally and internally that we are where we were last season in terms of Dean Smith boldly coming out. Top two is the aim. Stuart Webber, ditto. You know, it might be implied that's the case internally, but I don't think they're setting themselves up. I mean, Wagner certainly hasn't come out and spoken in those very black and white terms. He just wants to improve on where they finished last season. Um, and and I, I get the feeling that's probably where Norwich fan base are right now. I I think you'd be very unrealistic the way it unravelled towards the back end of last season with signings that, yeah, look, potentially, that they can incrementally improve you. But I don't think we're going to go from 13th to 1st with this group of players that have been brought in. That's for the birds. Uh, anybody thinks they've signed a calibre of player individually and collectively that moves them from where they were to where, you know, where you would, we'd hope they, they could get to. But by the same token, you know, as Sam rightly says, Norwich in the Championship, more often than not in the last sort of 10, 10 attempts or so, have been geared up to, to at least challenge. And, and that wasn't the case in the first Farker season. And, and we saw how that went down very badly. And if he hadn't got things going the following season very early, then that story could have ended very, and would have ended very differently. And it'll be the same for Wagner as well. You know, if he doesn't get off to a good start, solid start in his first 10 games, off the back of what he didn't do last season with his group, um then the pressure will be on because it isn't acceptable. I don't think if you're a Norwich fan or anybody connected with Norwich to accept 13th in the championship, whatever the strength of other clubs, whatever the financial challenges they're dealing with now, um, it's for Norwich 13th in the championship is below par for me. And, um, and if you spoke to Stuart Webber or anybody inside that football club, they would agree as well. So Let's work from that principle that it has it has to be better than 13th. Otherwise, there will be changes in the dugout and probably in the sporting director hot seat as well. And um, and then we'll see where we go because then we're into a, a very uncharted territory with the uncertainty in terms of the ownership and shareholder mix. Which should hopefully, as we as we go through this season, there should be far more clarity provided in that area of where the club are and where they're looking to go to. But that's a long winded way of saying no. I don't. I don't I don't get any sense that the same levels of expectancy are around this club, this group of players, the fan base that that that, that they were if we'd have been sat here recording this 12 months ago today. So um, that's all well and good, but but ultimately, because of how it poorly it ended last season, it's uh, it's imperative for a lot of reasons and for a lot of individuals attached to that football club that they start in positive fashion, and um, that's why you know you said it, I've said it, the the, the first. 10 games or so, I think they're, they're absolutely critical to, to the direction of travel for the play, the people who are shaping it right now, but also the club more broadly because, you know, another season that ends in mid-table nothingness, um, you know, you're talking a major reset then, I think, and, and it would have to be, and visually it would have to be a major reset. Not what it feels still this past summer is an acceptance and an acknowledgement, and we could all sort of pick out the elements of that, you know, Stuart Webber fronting up and doing media, Zoe Webber, you know, appearing at that fans forum. You know, all of those are positive steps forward in terms of trying to repair some of the damage and in, in, in terms of this feeling of a disconnect, rightly or wrongly. There's people inside the club don't like that phrase, but there's plenty of others outside the club who feel that was the case. Um, so there's been positive steps, but it's going to take a hell of a lot more, I think, to, to feel that. You know, you've you've as a club emerged through a, a pretty turbulent period, and and the, the positive times and better times are ahead now.
0: Yeah, and and ultimately you can take positive steps off the pitch, and all of those things that you said are absolutely positives in terms of addressing some of the issues that popped up last season. But then if you lose your first five games, it doesn't matter, right? So uh, it, it does need to be backed up to an extent. And I mean the the way that Norwich are at the moment, and, and the position that we find ourselves in because of the back end of last season, because it turned so toxic in the way that it did. We start the season feeling like we're kind of teetering on an edge, really, and kind of people are waiting to see what side this falls, um, which is really interesting. And, and just to round off this kind of discussion on expectation, um, maybe it's the first prediction of the show, I don't, I don't know, but uh, just each of you, um, we, we all know what, what success constitutes for Norwich City this season. I think most people would say a top six finish, getting inside those playoffs, would be a successful season, maybe an overly successful season to some people. So let's let's flip that um not to be negative but what what would constitute an underperformance for norwich city this season in terms of i'm speaking about range in the table where where would you look at as saying that that, that would represent if norwich finished in this part of the table an underperformance sam cuz cuz let I me mean, let me just um sort of caveat that with the factors you've obviously got underperformance you've got about par and then you've got probably overperformance so you can maybe rank it like that if you want um well, it's difficult to really separate
1: in terms of what I actually think would be underperformance for them or in terms of what will be perceived by fans
0: Go both Go both okay. um,
1: I think overperformance is getting in the playoffs to be honest I think people really don't think obviously that the target it feels like the way that we perceived last season was the target was promotion and they failed but they, they didn't finish third and then are losing the playoff final they finished 13th and I think a club to have lost their greatest goal scorer of modern times, to have spent money on one player um, this summer, or one player that was signed for the senior team, to then jump seven places up the table. I know, I know, it was it was all the clubs were very close together at the back end of last season, and maybe it wasn't a total reflection of where they were throughout the campaign. But I think people maybe have slightly underrated the jump from where they were, what it takes to to then get into the playoffs. So I think overperformance would be the playoffs. On par, I think the reality for me is, and this is why I asked the, the question about whether it would be perceived by fans as as an overperformance or whatever or, or an underperformance, is that the it doesn't really matter. If they if they finish outside the playoffs, I think people are going to be disappointed. Whether they finish seventh or whether they finish nineteenth, the reality is nobody's going to be sat there Delighted that Norwich finished seventh, and and talking about what a fantastic job David Wagner has done to get them there or to get them in the race. But based on all the factors and how difficult I think it's going to be for them, probably par for me is somewhere between seventh and tenth, and then underperformance would be anywhere beyond that. Um, I think you have to expect a Norwich side, especially when you look at some of the players that they've got. You have to expect them to be finishing at least in the top 10. But there are teams in this league that have done a lot of business, that have spent a lot of money. I'm looking more at the sort of parachute payment teams, obviously, of of Leicester and Southampton. Um, But not just them, that have brought in more players than Norwich that seem to have a little bit more purpose about them and that had better squads to start off with anyway. Um, And I'm not sure we can really reasonably expect them to finish... We can't really expect them to finish in the top six. And um, that's not me trying to alleviate any any pressure or remove any criticism because the reality is they should have done better a year ago. They should have set themselves up better. They maybe should have appointed a better head coach when Dean Smith was brought in. There are a number of decisions that have led to the situation they're in now that, that shouldn't have been made and they shouldn't be in this position now. But from this position where they are, which they can't change as things stand, I do think that finishing in the playoffs would be quite a significant um, overachievement, And I think you can tell that when you speak to fans. They're only really speaking about the playoffs. There isn't anybody measuring anything against automatic promotion. They're all debating whether they could make the playoffs. Um, And I think that tells you everything you need to know, which for me is quite a massive shame when you look at the status that this club has had for decades, really. Whenever they've been in the Championship, it shouldn't be a situation where they're now looking at it, hoping that they might be able to make a run to the playoffs. But just looking at that squad and looking at the factors around it, um, I hate to be a pessimist, but I do think it would be an overachievement to get into the playoffs.
0: Paddy, do you agree?
2: Well, I mean, I've been pretty consistent. I think six to ten is my spread at the minute. So for me, yeah, seventh to a tenth, like right? Sam, that is par for this season as I see it with this group of players. With all the intangibles about, we, you know, it's hard to benchmark when you don't know what the other, really, unless you're a, you know, you're know, a football anorak who's spent your 24-7 existence looking at whatever the other 22, 23 clubs have done. So anything underneath that? sixth or better, yeah, that's under par. They've overachieved in golfing terminology, but that's an overachievement. And then yeah, anything eleventh, so you're effectively saying anything bottom half, uh, give or take a place, um, would, would definitely be um considered a, a failure, I think, given they finished thirteenth. So, you know, if if you if you can't do much better than eleventh or twelfth, um, then really what you're saying is we anything we've done in the summer in the market as a club. Internally, externally, collectively hasn't worked, and, and then you have to maybe dig a bit deeper as to why that is the case. So, it, yeah, it's pretty pretty clear for me that you know, car would be seventh to tenth. I think yourself, Connor.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I, but saying that, I don't know. So let's let's say, for example, uh, Norwich finish eighth. Is that going to be enough to prevent the mood turning? amongst the fan base? That's that's the question, isn't it? I don't, I don't know. Um, and, and maybe nobody else knows. Maybe it's a, an impossible question until the time. But so w- for us saying that that maybe would represent par at this moment in time, this is where I think the expectation conversation is, is interesting because even though, uh, and you're right, Sam, it's very difficult at the moment. And I haven't heard anyone of a Norwich City persuasion or otherwise actually mention Norwich City in the conversation for top two. And I think we can all understand why that is the case. And, and so, so can fans. But there is conversations about, oh, is this team good enough to pl- get in the playoffs? But um, to people, it kind of feels like it should should be. I think that's that's probably fair, um, which is really interesting. So again, I, d- I don't know if par is going to be enough. Is is my point? And I guess only only time will will dictate that. I did want to um, use a really um abstract analogy that I've been forming in my head over the last few days and I'll finish this and you'll even call me absolutely mental or you'll go oh okay yeah I can kind of see where he's coming from so hopefully it's the latter uh this is this is how I spend my thoughts on the, when I'm walking my dog around Norwich um but I I feel and it's I'm going to be the first person as well to compare Norwich City to a ham sandwich so just bear with it but where I see Norwich City as at the moment it's a little bit like you know you walk into a shop pick a shop of choice you're going to get a uh, a sandwich um and you open the fridge doors and there's there's a selection of sandwiches there and maybe in right in front of you you've got the trusted ham sandwich you know it's dependable it's reliable it's probably not going to get you in trouble it doesn't excite that much uh, if you're vegetarian you can pick another filling or if you don't like ham you can pick another filling but it doesn't excite much um but you know if if over over the period of time between buying the ham sandwich and eating the ham sandwich, you get various different elements to it, a bit of cheese, a bit of chutney. You add some bits to it. Suddenly, the cheese, the ham sandwich looks much more impressive. And and I guess another point of that is, I don't know, if if you have a ham sandwich and you put it alongside a load of other sandwiches, and actually, even though the flavours of those sandwiches look really, really good, they actually don't go together and they don't mix in quite the way they did, then suddenly the ham sandwich is being bolstered up the rankings. And suddenly, that dependable ham sandwich that doesn't excite that is quite sturdy that is dependable that won't get you in trouble can suddenly look pretty effective Um, that's kind of where I feel Norwich are at the moment they don't they don't particularly excite uh, and I think we're kind of getting that from maybe the range of predictions that we're seeing but if that defensive structure that has existed throughout pre-season continues then you can kind of see them just being relatively steady and we know what the championship is like. It can be mad. It can have twists and turns. Clubs can sack managers here, there and everywhere. Events can change. Clubs can underperform. We see it all the time. Norwich are a prime example last year. One of the promoted teams suddenly doesn't do as well as quite as everyone, as everyone thinks they did. Russell Martin doesn't click at Southampton. Enzo uh, Moresca at Leicester isn't quite the um, Pep Guardiola disciple that maybe some people think he is. And suddenly that solid, dependable team gets you in and around the top six. So that's why... My analogy is I'm comparing Nori City to the trusted ham sandwich. I don't know if that makes any kind of sense, but hopefully you can kind of see my my thinking there. I don't know if any of you boys have anything to say off the back of that. But um, yeah, does that make sense? I think it makes sense.
1: Yeah, I, uh, yeah no, I, I, I think probably that would also make sense in a transfer situation. I think if you look at uh, the options they've gone for, I think Ashley Barnes and... Jack Stacey and Shane Duffy probably go straight in the ham sandwich category but I do um I do sort of agree with you and I think maybe that's the best way for Norwich um going forward it's difficult to carry on the sandwich analogy but uh I think this is how they've been trying to do things actually since that first sort of Premier League failure um was probably to build that sturdy base before they then added those um exciting elements but you know I'm I am one that likes excitement so hopefully they can add a little bit of uh, chutney and cheese in the next next few months.
2: Paddy Well I mean you're forgetting that they have added Swiss cheese in Fasnak ah, Spanish, Spanish chorizo which is very tasty, tangy uh, <laughs> meat in feast in uh, Borja Science. So what we're talking about is they've got the they've got the um the basic ingredients of the sandwiches, but they might be able to sprinkle them with fillings that could just elevate that sandwich into uh, the realms of uh, a playoff contending sandwich, maybe.
0: Yeah. 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 And, and, and it, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I think there are, there, are, I look at other teams at this moment and I think, you know, you've probably got more flavors that would excite me but I'm not sure if all of those flavours will work at the same time in the conditions that they're in, it, within the bread that they're in, if you want to extend the uh, the tired analogy. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I feel that Norwich are. And, and equally, I think, you know, the structure that they have at the moment, the way they're lining up at the moment from what we've seen in, in pre-season, David Wagner said this, there's been such an emphasis on the defensive elements. I think we've got some answers as to what they're going to try and do at Carrow Road against Olympiakos. to be fair. And I think some of those looked positive in terms of trying to get teams to press them and um, and trying to unpick that. And we've seen them use the the sort of long diagonal ball to, to very advanced wing-backs at points. But by the same token, and again, the flip side of that is they've got alternatives because if teams don't press them, then you've got Josh Sargent, Ashley Barnes, and teams are going to have to say, OK, yeah, we fancy ourselves airily against Ashley Barnes, Josh Sargent, over 75 minutes. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I am... That's kind of where I am. And I think that's where I've been throughout pre-season. Am I particularly excited by this Norwich City team in the same way as I was maybe ahead of the 2021 season when we were, you know, Salvia, Salvi, I can't say that word, when we were, you know, really excited to see Emi Buendia and Temu Puki and Todd Campwell and Kieran Dowell. And we were talking about all this flair and excitement and attacking intent, even though they did have a very good defensive record in that season. I don't think anyone is there. But at the same token, I think what we might see is a a side that maybe doesn't concede too many, maybe even doesn't score many. But if you you don't concede many by virtue of that, then you don't necessarily need to score any. So it might take a little bit of an emphasis of it. So that's kind of where I am. I'm not expecting a particularly exciting team, um, which again, if you're going to play that way, you kind of have to win, right, pad, because it becomes very difficult then to play in a style, as Dean Smith found, that maybe doesn't excite supporters if you don't if you don't back it up with results, I guess.
2: Well, I mean, I'll just go back to, you know, Luton. I mean, anybody who saw Luton last season, they were very functional and um, certainly not pleasing on the eye, but mightily effective. And now they're preparing for a season in the Premier League. So maybe that's one for fans. Would you would you take a, a, a arm-wrestling type of style of football if it got you to the Premier League? Or, or do you want um, to be entertained and, and have the panache? And maybe it falls short in terms of the uh, the end goal. I don't know. I mean, that's a bit of a theoretical debate. You'd ideally want both, wouldn't you? And you know, Far Peak Farker. Dare I dare I mention his name? Uh, now he's uh, in West Yorkshire. He combined the both in in the best elements of those two title winning sides. And uh, there's an element that fans been, and media, for that matter, were a little bit spoilt and and using that as a benchmark. But I, I don't necessarily think that is the benchmark. Really, I think you know. Uh, I I would be less uh, keen to portray it as uh, black and white it's either going to be one thing or the other with a david wagner template because I don't I don't think that is the case i think there was one glorious albeit fleeting moment on saturday against Olympiacos where they went pro evo football style you know two two or three passes minimum from back to front you know really good angles very quick very incisive and they got themselves into the final third and the reason that stands out in my memory is because the rest of the game was probably a bit more painted by numbers. And as you say, the more functional elements of how you move through the thirds. But that is there. That is in this group. You've got a player like Gabi Zara, a player like Marcelino Nunes. Don't for a minute tell me that they can't play that style of football, more polished. Um, but I think everything will be within the template of what Wagner wants in terms of the structure with and without the ball. But I I think particularly if you get off to a good start, you get a bit of momentum, a bit of confidence, you get the results, you get the fans behind you. I think you can add layers of complexity and uh, and verve and panache within, you know, the functional template, it's very difficult to add that if you're, you you don't get off to a good start and the pressure's on and they need a result from somewhere, then I think it will regress to a more functional style of football. But, but again, at the, at the risk of labouring this point, if they get off to a positive start, I, I think there will be a degree of evolution and a degree of maturity come into the style of play that he's trying to bring. Because I go back to that Huddersfield team that he got out of the Championship and into the Premier League, and they could play football. They kept the car road memorably that that evening in December, and and it was an excellent brand of football: fast, attacking, aggressive, um, very good in transition, uh, and and basically taught Norwich a bit of a lesson at that stage where Norwich were going the other way under Alex Neil. So, you know, David Wagner has got that in him uh, and in his coaching style, but. I think where he finds himself now, and it's clear, you know, what he's done in pre-season is to make them very robust out of possession, and that's in terms of the individuals, but also the style at four-four-two block. Sergeant and Barnes ostensibly leading the press, and and then you look at, you know, how how overworked was Gunn or Cruel, Very very little amounts of work for them during these pre-season. You know, very Bar Dimi you know, switching off at Outmar that day that they didn't concede a goal from Kingsland onwards. So. You can see where he's focused on and what they're they're striving to to build from, and, and and I think it is fair to assess that at the minute we we're not seeing maybe enough in the final third to to give you any real confidence that it's going to be anything other than at the outset at least quite a quite a stodgy style of football you're going to be watching from a Norwich team. But I don't think that's set in stone. I think if they get the results on the board and the points on the board, then you will start to see a little bit more of a. Uh, a refinement to Norwich's attacking play. And of course, you know, hopefully by October, if not a little bit sooner, we'll be able to drop science into the equation. And he feels like quite an exciting addition in terms of what they could end up being in the final third of the pitch. So I, I would reserve judgment on what they'll try and do or what they'll look like with the ball until we get a little bit further into the season, I think. It's the ham
0: sandwich, isn't it? You start with a ham sandwich, and eventually you can take the bread out. You can add some cheer batter. You can toast it. You can add some few more ingredients, and you've got a completely different product. So, uh, I'm going to keep labouring that for for the rest of the podcast. Um. Which probably lends us nicely to to the second part of the pod and uh, doing some Norwich City predictions, which, as Paddy has said, they're all futile anyway. So, uh, you know, you can choose if, if, if this is a complete waste of time or not. And then we'll branch it out to some championship ones as well. But we, I'm going to start purely with Norwich City related ones, which, you know, from our perspective, I guess, are semi uh, Well, again, depends on, on who you're asking, really, but they're kind of educated predictions i'd like to think or hope um so we're going to do the prediction i haven't actually briefed the boys on this but we're going to i'll brief them now so they've got a little bit of time to think so we're going to go uh top scorer who's going to be norris's top scorer then i'm going to ask for a surprise package maybe a player who performs a little bit better than people are speaking about at the moment who's going to end up as player of the season that we're then going to have a curveball prediction. So that could be, I don't know, a young player coming to the fore that nobody uh, expects. It could be, uh, I don't know, as someone has said, Shane Duffy scoring five to 10 goals, which is a, a, a massive curveball, or could be something else. And then finally, we'll end with, uh, with where Norwich City is going to finish in the championship table. And then we're going to speak about the championship a bit more widely. Of course, you can uh, you can send us in your predictions as well. We've put all, all of this post out on social media, so you can reply on there. We've already had some some good ones so why give the time the boys some time to think I'll read a couple of them uh Chris Holmes for example has said Norwich will finish in the playoffs if they get injury luck luck or 13th after being forced to play uh Jakob Sorensen at center back when injuries hit uh he's gone for Ashley Barnes as top goal scorer his uh surprise package is an interesting one actually it's not Norwich related Southampton to struggle adapting to Russell Martin he gets unfortunately he's added sacked by christmas Sarah as player of the season and then uh, the Duffy one was his curveball, which would, which is that he'll get five to ten goals. Um, William has gone a bit more positive. He says Norwich will finish fifth and win the playoffs. Sergeant will be the top scorer. Shane Duffy as the surprise package. Player of the season, uh, season Sergeant or Sarah, and the curveball being Leicester won't get promoted. Finley's gone for seventh. Uh, lose out on the playoffs on the last day of the season. Sargent as top goal scorer. Nunez as the surprise package. Sarah as player of the season and finish on a negative goal difference as the curveball. And uh, Chris, I'll read. Uh, finally, one. Chris Allen said sixth. Uh, win on, and he's gone the opposite. Win on the final day to move into the playoffs. Uh, Sergeant as the is that top goal scorer. Yeah. Uh, the surprise package being uh, Shemiswath, Poheta, Jack Stacey. Uh, top assist and his uh and his curveball is that Ashley Barnes doesn't get a ban all season which I think you get good odds on at this moment in time so Sam let's start with you what we're going to do we're going to go through them individually so you can just say the name you can expand a bit you can go however uh in depth you want bearing in mind we've got about 20 minutes of the show left so don't overrun too much but let's start top goal scorer who is going to have the most goals for Norwich City and I'm going to pin you down to an amount as well <laughs>
1: uh Josh Sargent I think the um Time up front is going to be mainly shared between him and Barnes. And as much as I've actually liked Barnes in a Norwich shirt more than I expected to, to be fair, I don't think he's really uh, characteristically a goal scorer. And I think if one of those two is is scoring the most goals, it's going to be Sergeant, And I'll, I'm going to be quite optimistic, actually. I, I I'm not sure he's technically the best player, but I think he knows where to go um and he has got some good attributes for the championship so i'm going to say he scores 17 goals um which i think would be quite i think most norwich fans would be quite quite pleased with that i'm sure he would be pleased with that got 13 last season and um i think you spoke to him the other day and he said that he's looking forward to the burden of of being the main goal scorer now he's got the number nine shirt as well so um yeah a lot of pressure on him but he seems to be enjoying it so far and I, i do you think at this level, although I'm not sure it will translate to top level goals, if and when he gets back there, I think at this level he can score a good number of goals. So yeah, Josh Sargent.
0: Do you know what struck me when I spoke to him the other day? Um, I mean, he's a, he's a quite a big lad anyway, uh, muscular, physical, but he looks lean at the moment. Looks, look, is the best word that I can I can use. Just looks physically in a, in a better shape. And actually, he said uh, that a lot of the players have have come back when they came back to pre-season, they were recording better physical numbers than they were when they left last season, which I think yeah. maybe is a bit of an interesting insight. Paddy, let's throw it over to you. Who is going to be Norwich City's top goal scorer in the 23-24 campaign? And how many are they going to score?
2: Well, I'm not going to... I mean, Sam's basically mapped it all out there. It's
0: Josh Sargent,
2: 18, end of. 18. Nice. So oh he, got, he got he got thirteen last season, and, he, and with respect, post World Cup, I mean, he got one at West Brom in the penultimate away get, well, the final away game, penultimate game. But I mean, he went weeks and weeks and months without troubling the scorer. So, if you end up with thirteen after that season, then uh, he just needs to stay a bit more consistent. And um, yeah, I could see it, and free of injury, obviously.
0: Sergeant 15 for me, Sam. Uh, surprise package. You can interpret this in however way you like. You can interpret it as a player, as a team, doesn't even have to be Norwich. Um, who's going to be your surprise package for 23 24? I think,
1: Demi, you knew this. I'm uh, nice, yeah. I think I actually was thinking about that and I thought that is a decent that's quite a surprise, actually. And um, I just really think a lot of people have lost track of how important. Um, technicality still isn't and technical ability in this Norwich team, I know they've lacked physicality for a number of years, I know they've lacked leadership but on the ball, although there are defensive issues, on the ball he's still I would say one of the most gifted players that Norwich have and I think in this system under Wagner in a team that hopefully isn't just losing all momentum and in a really bad rut playing in a negative atmosphere every week, um I think, as he did at the start of Wagner's tenure, when both him and Aaron's um, really thrived, I can see Janudis playing a big role if he's given the chance. Now he's got a little bit more solidity with, with Shane Duffy, who's impressed at the back as well. Um, yeah, I'm a really big fan, and I hope that he can finally use his attributes because I think he did in that first what, six months in a Norwich shirt, and since then we haven't really seen the the player that he can be. But if he can hit top form, Especially given where it looks like the creativity is going to come from under David Wagner, I think he can be a, a really massive player for Norwich.
0: Paddy Davitt, let's have your surprise package.
2: Um, surprise package. Well, I'm, I, I, even prior to asking him the other day, I kind of was where David Wagner's seemingly with with John Rowe that if that lad can stay fit, and you can already see him, he is beginning to mature, which is the phrase David used, um, and. Use his head as well as his physical attributes, but he does have that explosiveness, and it was noticeable. I know it was preseason, and I know it was you know half full, but Cara Road. Every time he got the ball on Saturday, attacking the Barkley, there was a visible uplift in the uh, the noise and the excitement, like a palpable sense something was about to happen. Now, put that mix in when there's twenty five thousand there, and you've got um, Ipswich in town, and they're on the back foot, and Johnny Rose, you know, going for the jugger. I mean, it evokes, and I don't, I'm not for a minute trying to, you know. Put him in the same bracket because he's got many miles to travel. But uh, you know, pl- players who have got Norwich fans off their seats Hookerby, Edy, Buendia—is uh, best. You know, those off the cuff—they're not quite sure what they're going to deliver themselves. But um, and that—they're they're big shoes for him to fill. But I just think I look at the wide air, in wide areas, and we can't can't make a judgment on science because we haven't seen them, unfortunately, and, and we haven't seen enough of fast that yet. But. In a Wagner setup, wide areas is absolutely pivotal. It's one of the pillars of what he's trying to do in and out of possession. And in John Rowe, he looks to have the raw material. Again, needs to stay fit because that's where his campaign last season, after a breakout in getting his Premier League debut the season before, didn't happen for him. But he can be a catalyst for change, no doubt about it. And And you just don't know. He's the sort of player, if he catches and he goes, it could be multiple goals and multiple assists um, because I, I think there is clearly within a David Wagner side a player there who could really add an extra dimension so fingers crossed he stays clear of injury and um, keeps listening to the right people keeps working hard because he's got something about him and and I think in a, in a wide areas of the pitch where we're not sure really where we're going now at the minute with David Wagner as a team I think he could really and there's an opportunity for him and there's a window for him and, and I think it going into Saturday's game. I think it's him and Hernandez. I think Fastnack will obviously play on the right-hand side, but it it seems to be a toss-up. And I'd like David personally to be quite bold and quite brave and go John Rowe.
0: I was going to say John Rowe, so I'll say a different one now. Um, I am going to go... I'm going to go for two. I'm going to go for a centre-back pairing of Ben Gibson and Shane Duffy to look pretty good throughout the season, is what I'm going to go for. Uh, Injury permitting, stroke... Uh, Omar Amadele being sold and someone else coming in permitting but that's that's my surprise package I think seeing as you took my first one of, of John Rowe emerging player of the season Paddy I'm going to come to you first to to mix it up who is come May going to be holding that Barry Butler Memorial Trophy uh,
2: he's going to be retaining the trophy and it's going to be Gabby Zara and, uh, and if Norwich haven't got themselves out of the championship it'll be his when he does lift that trophy it'll be his final performance in a Norwich shirt prior to him sealing a big money move to the Premier League Sam
0: Yeah, I'm going
1: to have to be boring and agree, unfortunately, Um, with pretty much everything Paddy said there. I think if they don't end up getting that sort of season out of him, then David Wagner and the players around him have had a bit of a shocker, really, because he is, um, I would say, head and shoulders above the rest of that Norwich squad at the moment. And I hope, given actually looking at the sort of season he had last season, maybe he's going to have a... And this is a very, very high bar, so he might not reach quite this level, but... um, It feels like the sort of thing where he could go from Emi Buendia's 2018-19 campaign, where I think he scored eight goals and got 12 assists, to the 2020-21 campaign, where I think it was 32 goal contributions. And he really just carried Norwich to that title. So um, hopefully for Norwich, he can really come to the fore in that sort of way. But yeah, after the season he had coming straight from South America last season, I think after a year of adapting, now he's got his dogs with him as well. Um, I think he's going to have an absolutely fantastic season.
0: I did consider him for a top goal scorer. Did um, yeah, same, yeah. T- didn't quite go for it. I think I think if if it was to if the question would have been top goal scoring contributions, I think he'd have uh, I think he'd have topped it. But yeah, not not quite. But yeah, I I agree. It 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 will be Sarah, I think. And then I'll add a couple of other players to the conversation. I can see Shane Duffy if he keeps fit. Um, being involved in that conversation I've got a feeling that he's going to be a player that, that Norwich City fans like um and Jack Stacey if he can continue his pre-season form I think he's he, he's going to be one to watch as well let's have curveball predictions then like I say Pad I'll, I'll open this up it can be anything Norwich related it can be championship related it can be football related if you like what is your curveball prediction for the new season
2: oh I don't know I mean we're getting into uh uh, crystal ball gaze in here aren't we Farker to be gone by Christmas there you go let's throw oh, that one out oh. there because if he, if he doesn't if he doesn't have leads in in and around I mean we're talking about expectation earlier in the pod Lord Alive I know I know Leeds are coming down with a lot of issues off the park a lot of change as well financially they don't look to have the wherewithal to do a Leicester maybe even a Southampton if they shift one or two of their big highly rated players Liveramento and Ward Prowse come to mind but they still, if you're leads, you still expect. Given his last two times in this league been lifting trophies himself, uh, if they're not in the conversation seriously in the com- and I would say even for automatic by Christmas, that fan base very difficult to see him surviving onto uh, onto the rest of the end of the season. So Farker gone by Christmas.
0: Samuel Seaman,
1: I'm going to stick with that theme of uh, the relegated sides and their managers because I actually find it really interesting. All three of them have gone for sort of project managers by the looks of things. Daniel Farker, Russell Martin. Obviously, we know it's going to take a lot of time to adapt to their styles of play. And it looks like the same with Maresca at Leicester. So, I think it's highly probable at least one of those goes quite badly wrong. And um, Paddy's already stolen leads, So, I'll keep it Norwich related and go for Southampton. Although, I think they'll probably do... They might do okay, but I think one of Southampton and Leicester won't do quite as well as as everybody thinks they will, and those projects won't quite pan out um, very well because you know the chances of all three being promoted, I think, aren't especially high, especially given the managers um, they've gone for. So yeah, sorry, I've I've rode in behind with quite a similar prediction, but I couldn't go for Parker. So let's go for um for Martin or Moresca.
0: I'm going to go for a Norwich City related one and then I'll go for a Championship one, but I might whisper that one. Um, the The uh, Norwich City one is Kellen Fisher to be a Norwich City frontliner come the end of the season, but...
2: I was going to do that. Oh, at left back?
0: At left back. And you
2: had a bang on the head?
0: At left back. Just a feeling. Just a feeling. If he can play left back anyway. I've not seen him at left back, but uh, yeah, that's that's what I will go for. And then the Championship one uh is sadly Ipswich Town doing really quite well um as in maybe challenging top two quite well but I'll whisper that one quite quietly which probably lends us on nicely to our championship predictions where I'm not going to put them in the top two so that <laughs> that means on nicely um we're going to go top six bottom three um and then we'll obviously finish the show with the, where Norwich City are gonna finish in the table, which uh you know might be quite telling if neither of you think they're gonna finish in the top six or in the bottom three. Uh who wants to go first? Sam, you look like a man who wants to go first. Let's start with your championship bottom three. Who is going to get relegated from the division this season?
1: Uh I've been thinking about it. It's it's a difficult one. Uh Rotherham. I feel like I feel for them because just every year that they're in the championship everyone's going to predict that they go down but I'm to you know, say I was going
0: I was I was I was looking at the table and it's it's quite tough because I I for me there's a couple of teams that you I I think are are really in trouble and then there's kind of a group of teams and actually like you think Rotherham did good business in January and it just kind of feels like they end up being put in there so yeah. I feel for them a little bit but yeah, yeah. I get your, your thinking
1: um QPR, I think, I th- I was trying to avoid, it's a big club and I kind of like them and um, it's a short trip for us, so I was trying to avoid it, but they looked really, really, really poor um, after McBeal left them and um, they haven't done a lot of business this summer, So, uh, or a lot of good business at least, so I've got them and then I don't know if this is a bit of a surprise, but I think Swansea, I think um, Russell Martin did a fantastic job with them, uh, maybe this could have been my curveball prediction, but Russell Martin did a fantastic job with them. Um, the manager they brought in uh, is it is it Michael Duff? His name escapes. Yeah, Michael Duff. Very different style of play. Uh, very different track record at Barnsley, and they've lost a few of those players that were really key last season. So I think they could well be in trouble, Swansea.
0: Paddy, let's uh, let's have your bottom three.
2: Uh, QPR definitely, yeah, uh, doesn't look good there, does it? And uh, Cardiff and Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield Wednesday. You want, I mean, people might point to potentially instability around Norwich City and internally, but uh, the soap, soap opera that's unfolded there post Darren Moore is uh, is, off, is off the dial, so I don't see with that backdrop, big club though they are, how they, how they can possibly go into this season with any stability, um, and and you know. They've been in and around it. Obviously, only came up last season, so they, they, they know what it's like to be at the wrong end of this this division. So, yeah, and those two, and Cardiff, I've kind of just thrown them in, really. Yeah, um, because again, you know, they they seemingly are a club who kind of are uh, you know lost their way a little bit. And uh, there's a few in the championship, really. Looking at it from afar, but uh, you know, all three really. Have been in the Premier League, so you know it can turn, it can go the other way, but it just feels like a little bit. Lot with Reading that you, you feel that cl- those clubs are on a bit of a downward cycle at the minute.
0: Yeah, I, I've I've probably got a mixture of both of yours. So I've I've gone for uh, QPR, who I think will finish bottom. They they seem banging in trouble. Um, I've gone for Rotherham, sadly, and then I've uh, I've gone for uh, who's the last, who's the other teams you said, Pad? You said Cardiff and who was the other team you said?
2: Sheffield Wednesday.
0: Sheffield Wednesday is, is who else I've gone for. I should have wrote, written these down. Um, with honourable mentions, I think uh, Huddersfield are an interesting one because even though they've got uh, the Championship Messiah himself, Neil Warnock, he uh, he's quite interesting because it just feels from a running start maybe he he might not have quite the same impact, and if they're hovering around. I don't know, 14th, 15th, anywhere between about 14th and 20th in October. Is he going to be that interested? I don't know. And then it could be interesting. So they're, they're uh, ones that I'd throw into the conversation, as well as Cardiff as well, who um, are just a soap opera as well, at the best of times. Um, top six then. Paddy, do you want to kick us off with your your championship top six? I expect Coventry to be in here.
2: No, 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 no. Is this in order, Connor? Do you want them one to six? or do we Yes, please. Right uh, well,
0: let's let's go six to one. Let's build up the tension a bit.
2: Well, I mean, I said Norwich six to ten all along, so I'm going to be positive because it's the first one looking ahead to the new season. So Norwich six. Um, um, I'm working back now from where I, I've got the uh, Sunderland. Mm-hmm. 5th. Um, Middlesbrough 3rd. I'm going to come back to 4th. Middlesbrough 3rd. West Brom, I think. I'm a big fan of Corbran. I think he could get them going. Club, again, who've like Norwich yo-yoed between the two. I know they didn't have the best of seasons, but if he can get them going with the style of play he likes to play and the right players to fit the system, I think they could easily have a good season. And then Leicester, obviously, to to do the business and lift the title, which is a fairly predictable one, I think, for most uh, people who are looking at these things at the minute. Fourth, I'm going to... Now, I I did throw in the curveball that I thought Farker could be gone, but if he stays and he gets things going, then, you know, you'd have to think Leeds will be finishing in the top six because it is, you know, it's going to be one thing or the other. I don't think they'll finish mid-table with him. He'll either be gone and it'll be somebody else's worry or he will get them going, um, but maybe not from the, the sort of start they're coming from quite good enough for the top two. So, I'm going to go Norwich, Sunderland, Leeds, Borough, West Brom and Champions Leicester.
0: Sam, let have your top six.
1: Uh, I've got Middlesbrough sixth. Um, it's really, really good team, but I think they've got it in them to, to not quite, to, to maybe bottle it at times. Um, so, I'm not sure they'll get in the top two. Sunderland as well. I think I've had a really, really good um, transfer window, uh, West Brom fourth, um, same as Paddy really, I'm a big Carlos, Carlos Corbaran fan and I think they've done some very good business as well. And then third, I thought I'm going to take a chance with third because the championship is so unpredictable, may as well just lob a team in there that's a little bit of a, a wild card. So I've got Millwall third. I think they came very close cuz he got laughing um but I think they they came very close to the playoffs last season and I think those sorts of teams are sometimes the ones that that take off um not sure they would get promoted but I can see them getting into the playoffs uh then I've got Southampton second and Leicester first so my top 2 are are pretty boring but um yeah Leeds nowhere in there for me I think looking at their squad and the the window they've had it feels like they remembered they had a, a season, a, a season of football to play about two weeks ago. So um, I think they'll probably get off to a slow start, and I'm not sure Farker is the sort of coach as we've seen across his career that gets things going immediately. So um, yeah, I haven't
0: got them in there. Oh, we're quite we're quite split on leads. That's interesting. Uh, I'll bring you I'll bring you my uh, top six. Uh, sixth place Ipswich Town, which we'll gloss over. Middlesbrough fifth. I've got I've gone Leicester in fourth. Not convinced. Not convinced as maybe everyone else is. Um, just not convinced by their recruitment particularly. Feels like name led recruitment, and I, I think it's I think it's big and bold at the moment to go for Maresca and put all your eggs in that particular basket. So that's that's why I'm I'm going with them. But with the potential that obviously if that goes in the way that we expect it goes, they could finish they could finish top quite comfortably I've gone for Sunderland third uh Southampton second I've gone Leeds to win the league um just because I I see similarities between Burnley and Leeds where Burnley were last year where I don't know everyone felt they were in a little bit of turmoil before the season started and they'd lost Sean Dyche and um they had a lot of kind of young players and uh Everyone felt they were a little bit in crisis and not particularly ready for the start of the season. Then they played and looked pretty good, and I think that might be the same with Leeds, who have some really good young players. So that is the top six that I've I've gone for. Interestingly, no Norwich. So so I mean, the final question really was going to be predictions on on Norwich. We know Paddy's; he's gone for sixth. Is that, do you want to lock that in, Paddy? You don't want to you don't want to change. You don't want to change that?
2: Well, I mean, you know, as I say, it's a fool's game, really. Um, anywhere, anywhere between 6th and 10th, I've just undermined the last 20 minutes of this podcast. But let's be honest, it is. So, I mean, if Norwich were to finish 6th to 10th, I wouldn't be overly surprised. But in in the interests of a, an uplifting, looking ahead, uh, aspirational podcast, then I'm going to go 6th rather than 10th.
0: Good. Sam? So it,
2: is locked, it is locked in, Connor, to answer it's your
0: question. It's locked in. It's locked in. We don't have any fancy, like, noise graphic for that like we are doing. TV. But Sam, where are you locking Norris ditty in?
1: Oh, it's really hard. I'm really tempted to be super harsh. I think earlier in the summer I said 15th. But uh, I don't think they'll be quite that bad. But they're not going to, for me, get especially close to challenging playoffs. So I'm going to say 10th. What about you, Connor?
0: I am going to go 9th, I think. So, so we've all got them in the six to 10 range, which I think yes. actually is a lot, a lot higher than perhaps the, uh, the external people have. The external people, I've phrased them like they're some sort of different entity that we don't, that we don't speak to and look down upon. Go on, Pad.
2: No, yeah, no, no, just just edging forward to where. where oh, right. Where? I thought, I thought you wanted yeah. to say something.
0: That no, probably, no. that probably, uh, Signs us off nicely. You've heard our predictions, which, you know, as Paddy says, are all pointless anyway. It doesn't matter. Uh, we'll find out, obviously, more when the, the championship season unfolds. We'd, of course, like to hear yours as well. So get in touch with us and let us know. Uh, also, any interesting analogies that you have on Norwich City would, would be good. Uh, if anyone can beat a ham sandwich, then fair play to you. Of course, plenty more content, coverage, analysis over at pinken.com. Uh, we'll be continuing these podcasts across the 46-game plus cup game season um, and we will be at Cowra Road on Saturday for the league opener against Hull which I'm very excited for the start of the uh, of the new season let's hope it's a positive one uh, for all of those involved particularly around Norwich City and the music is a little bit different thank you very much for listening thank you very much for watching and uh, we will see you again very very soon we'll obviously be recording another podcast on Sunday so hopefully we're just talking about how great or maybe how low We feel we've ranked Norwich City after they beat Hull 5-0. Thanks for listening.